This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Michael Kalstrup and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit us at www.thefellowship.church. Psalm chapter 32, verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you shall go. I will guide, guide thee with mine eye. The Living Bible says, I will instruct you, says the Lord, and guide you along the best pathway for your life. The best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch your progress. Young's Living Translation says, I, I will cause you to act wisely and direct thee in the way that thou goest. I, I will cause mine eye to take counsel concerning thee. So this, uh, these last several services, we have been talking about how to be led by the Spirit of God, how God communicates to us, how He directs us in life. And we shared with you uh, in some of the other sessions that living under this covenant, we call it New Covenant, New Testament, New Contract, the new agreement that God has with us as individuals, under this new covenant, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, lives in us. In the Old Covenant, God had to speak to everyone through, primarily, through the prophet's ministry. But under the New Covenant, the prophet's ministry has changed, you understand. There's not just one ministry. Now we have a variety of ministries that the Holy Spirit has placed into His body, into the church. And God wants to communicate directly to each and every one of us. Hallelujah. Guides you, direct you, communicate to you right directly to your spirit. And he can because he lives on the inside of you. Now, there was something that uh, when I was praying, the Lord spoke to me in my spirit. And I believe that there are some very critical days ahead for all of us. When I say all of us, I mean the church, universally speaking, but for all of us as believers. And when I say that, I do not mean only mean to imply that difficult times or uncertain times are before us. We know from reading the Bible that uh, Paul said in the last last days, perilous times shall come. We understand that. But I'm talking more about uh, when it comes to making decisions, decisions that are made that will determine success or failure and that will affect the spiritual dynamics of what happens through the believer And through the church, that's what I'm referring to. Because I believe we have come to a particular point in the body of Christ where we need, in order for us to advance spiritually and to see what God wants to do, not just in other nations of the world, but in this nation, that we need to rise to a different level, spiritually speaking, so that we can hear clearly what the Holy Spirit is saying so that we can move forward into the plan and the purpose and the will of God. You know, the more we or the closer we listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying and we act upon that, we'll have a greater manifestation of His presence, a greater manifestation of His glory, a greater manifestation of His blessing. And that's what I desire. Hallelujah. And I believe we can experience that. It's up to us individually. And so when, I, when I've been praying about this, I just sense, and I know your pastor shared with you, and that's why we have this conference, this seminar, that this year, 
2020 is a year of divine guidance, spiritual guidance. And I believe it's critical for us as believers, as the body of Christ, to be able to identify when the Holy Spirit is moving and when the Holy Spirit is speaking and to follow closely what he's saying. You know, it's interesting if you read the book of Acts, you'll see all the way through the book of Acts how the early church leaders and the early church paid very close attention to what the Holy Spirit was saying in times of prayer, in times of corporate worship, in times where they gathered together corporately to pray. There was one particular time, you remember, that there was a prophet who prophesied that a drought, the King James Version calls it a dearth or a drought, and there was a severe famine and and drought that came to that part of that region of the world for a period of time. And he signified by the Spirit that this would happen. And uh, it's interesting to notice that they did not pray that away. You notice that? The church leaders were not able to pray that drought or that particular famine away, but the Holy Spirit gave them direction and they received offerings and money to help support Christians in other parts of the world. Sometimes we can change things. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will tell us when we cannot change things, but He'll prepare us to be ready. And that's so important. That's so very important. That's why it's critical for us to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. We can walk through life and just be completely oblivious to the spiritual things that God has for us or the spiritual world or the Holy Spirit communicating to us. And we can walk and live in this life completely dependent upon our own natural thinking. And it's easy to do that because we live in this natural world. And we are bombarded daily with all kinds of information. And that information, the majority of the time, is not information that inspires us, that helps us spiritually. It's natural information. And if we're not careful, we have a tendency to default to the natural and to live our life in the realm of the natural or the realm of of human reasoning. And all this information that comes can affect us. That's why Paul said again, we quoted Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world. Don't let the world around you, Philip's version says, squeeze you into its mold. It's easy to do that. But he said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can know what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And that's very important for us. And so we can see... In the world around us, we can see things are not necessarily improving. If you look around the world today, we have all kinds of problems, political problems, social problems, economic problems, sickness and disease, new sickness and disease. We have the most education that any generation has ever had. We have the the greatest universities. We have the greatest scientists. We have the greatest minds that have ever lived, and yet they are not able to solve the problems that we are experiencing in the world because these problems that we are experiencing have a spiritual uh, root to them or a spiritual uh, power working behind them that is creating this. You know, Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. 
But if we're not careful, it's easy to get into the natural. And we begin to think according to the natural. And we try to battle according to the natural. But nothing changes. You cannot change natural things by natural means only. We change natural surroundings through spiritual activities. Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 2, he said, Prayers, supplications, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all who are in authority, that we, the church, might live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. So what Paul is saying is what we experience in this world, socially, economically, what we experience is directly connected to how we pray. Many times we try to get spiritual results with fleshly actions and it doesn't work. Jesus said that to, you know, uh, his followers and those who were listening to him in Matthew chapter 6, you think God will hear you for your much speaking. It's not how long you pray, how loud you pray, it's how scriptural we pray that determines results. And so what we experience in this natural world, for the most part, there are spiritual forces working behind the scenes that we do not see, that creates this world that we live in and motivates the world system of thinking. And if we're not careful, we can be drug into that world system of thinking And we can depend upon that, and we can miss out on what the Holy Spirit is saying on the inside of us. So tonight, uh, I want to focus in on the primary way that the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us in this life. The primary way, last night we looked at the number one way, is through the written Word of God. The Bible is God speaking to us. When we read the Bible... And we see clearly what God is saying to us. We don't have to pray about that. We just simply act on that. As James said, be a doer. Not just a hearer. Be a doer. Not just a hearer deceiving your own selves. Self-deception is the worst kind of deception because you think you're right. Amen. So when we fail to act upon the truth that we know, It creates within us a self-deception. It takes us further from the truth instead of closer to the truth. So in order for us to clearly hear what the Holy Spirit is saying, we must first be a doer of God's Word, act on God's Word. Are you listening? That's number one. And we don't have time to go back and review that. But tonight I want to deal with the primary way be beyond the written Word of God, the primary way that we are led by the Spirit, that God speaks to us or leads us and guides us in this life, is what the Bible refers to as the inner witness. In Romans, the 8th chapter, Romans chapter 8, we'll begin there. Romans, the 8th chapter, and the 14th verse. Paul said, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons or the children of God. Look at verse 16. The Spirit Himself bears witness. Everyone say, bears witness. Bears witness with what? 
our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, let me just uh, define a few things before we go on. You know, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, Paul said, I pray to God that you sanctify your spirit, soul, and body to be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The literal uh, Greek language uh, amplifies each particular part, spirit, soul, and body. And actually, it should read, I pray to God that you sanctify your complete or entire spirit, your complete or entire soul, your complete or entire body. So the Bible teaches that we are created with three parts. You are a spirit being. When God created Adam, He created his body from the dust of the ground. The Hebrew, the Hebrew word uh, that God that was used in the Old Testament, and God breathed into that body his breath, his life. And man became a living soul. So you are made up of three parts. You are a spirit. You have a soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. And all of that is contained inside this physical body. So this physical body is really just the house that you live in. I've never really seen the real you, and you've never really seen the real me, because the real you and the real me lives inside this house, and we look out through these windows we call eyes. The real you is a spirit being. Amen. And we have to become more spirit conscious. You are a spirit. You have a soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. And you live inside this physical body. Well, at the new birth, the only part of your makeup that was recreated was your spirit. Your body didn't change. Your soul didn't change. All your thoughts, your emotions did not change. As a matter of fact, some of you had the same thoughts after you were born again that you had before you were born again. And that's why many baby Christians, the devil comes to them and lies to them and, said, and tells them they're not saved because they have the same thoughts they had before they were born again. No, you have a spirit on the inside, and that spirit, the moment you become a Christian, is born again or recreated, regenerated, brand new. It has the life and the nature of God in it. It's made the righteousness of God in Christ. And the Holy Spirit comes to live in your spirit. So you have a soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions which was not changed or regenerated at the new birth. That's why Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, do something with your body. Verse 2, do something with your mind. So we have to understand that all three parts have a voice. We know what the voice of our body is. It's feeling. You feel hot. You feel cold. You feel pain. You feel hunger. Well, maybe not so much. We just eat, whether we're hungry or not. But we feel hunger. Feeling is the voice of your body. What is the voice of your soul? Reason and emotion are the voices of your soul. When you go to the store and, you know, you're looking for something and you want to buy something, you see the price, you begin to reason and think, well, I can buy that cheaper online or I can buy this in another store cheaper. You begin to reason. Someone comes to you, they want to sell something to you, you begin to think about it and reason about it. And then emotion is the voice of your soul. You can go to, you know, watch a movie or listen to some beautiful music. 
and become emotionally involved, right? You ever have a dream in that dream, someone's chasing you and you wake up and you still may have a reaction. Your physical body actually reacts to your emotions. See, the devil understands that. And he is the master of suggestion. He'll put a thought in your head which creates a feeling because he knows you'll follow the feeling. Because it's real. He understands that. But we have to understand that our emotions are not saved. They're not saved. Our thoughts are not saved. We have to do something with our thoughts. We have to do something with our emotions. And our emotion, the emotional feeling sometimes is very similar to the inner witness. Very similar. Let me give you an illustration of that. We'll talk about this in just a moment. I remember the first house that my wife and I bought, and I believe it was $47,000. And I thought it was the end of the world when I signed the contract, $47,000. And of course, you know, when you add up the interest in 30-year loan, I think it was maybe, I don't know, maybe up close to 100000 over a 30-year period of time. Maybe not that much. And uh, I remember, you know, we had a real estate agent in, in my church, and uh, we found this house, and it was a very good deal. And so we signed the contract. And after I signed the contract the next day, you know, I just had this sinking feeling on the inside. And, of course, you know, I think I'm spiritual. So I called up my real estate agent and I said, I miss God. I made a mistake. I just know I miss God. Well, she had enough sense to talk to me and say, well, you know, pastor, just calm down. It's, it's what we call buyer's remorse. You know what I mean by that? You make a, a large investment in something and then you have an emotional response to it. Usually that emotional response can be negative. And so, you know, I, I thought, well, what do you know? I'm more spiritual than you are. I'm the pastor. But, you know, she was right. After a few days and a few weeks, that feeling went away. And actually, that house was a good house. And uh, we lived in it for a few years and then sold it. But I thought, see, I confused this emotional response to what I thought was a mistake that I made. And God was witnessing to me or the Holy Spirit was witnessing to me that I made a mistake. And you have to understand that God will only communicate by the Holy Spirit to your spirit. He's not going to communicate to your body. He's not a body. He's not going to communicate to your emotions or your mind, you understand, in a direct way, because God is not a mind. Jesus said God is a spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in your spirit. He's going to bear witness with your spirit. Not with your emotions, not with your body, not with your mind, but with your spirit that you are the children of God. And so we must understand that our spirit has a voice. It's called conscience. Conscience. Now, before we were born again, our conscience was not a safe guide. But now that we're born again, turn to Romans chapter 9. Now that we're born again and we have the life and the nature of God on the inside, as we take in God's Word and build God's Word into us, into our spirit, by reading, by meditating, the safer, the safer a guide 
our spirit becomes. That's why it's important to read the Word of God, meditate in God's Word, feed on God's Word. I remember years ago I had a friend and uh, he was in uh, a different church than I was raised in, a particular church. I won't mention the name, but that particular church did not believe that it was acceptable or appropriate uh, to, you know, go to the bowling alley and bowl. And they did not believe that it was acceptable or appropriate to play any kind of billiards, you know, a pool table, any type of games with pool, or to play cards, any kind of cards. And so, you know, I respected him and his beliefs, but it's interesting, you know, I realized that he was taught that and he embraced that and he believed that. And so those beliefs control and govern his life. If I were to convince him to go to a bowling alley and just bowl, because I didn't think there was anything wrong with that. I couldn't find anything in the Bible about, you know, a a bowling ball going down a wooden alley knocking over 10 pins. I just couldn't find anything. You know, I mean, we played cards, you know, go fish, old maid, all these card games. You know, I didn't see anything. I, I couldn't find the devil on the back of the card. I mean, there wasn't anything to me, right? But to him, because he was taught that, if I would force him to go, he would sin against his conscience. Just as Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, Romans chapter 14, talking about meat offered to idols. Same thing. So he said, I don't want to sin against someone and wound their weak conscience and so sin against Christ, not make someone do something that is contrary to their convictions, their beliefs, you understand. And Paul said that that conscience or conviction is based upon knowledge. He said, we know an idol is nothing. There's only one God. But he said, that knowledge is not in every person. So for some of those people, they would take, before they got saved, they would take an offering of meat to the temple, to the idol. Now they're born again, but they're baby Christians, and they still believe that idol is a god. So to take meat there or to eat the meat that was offered would wound their conscience or go against their convictions. You understand that? So I learned a very important lesson, and that is this. It's important to know the truth of God's Word. Because we can be taught things that are not consistent with the Bible, and it gets on the inside of us. And it becomes a part of our belief system, our convictions, which control our lives. So it's important for us to have the truth of God's Word because when the Holy Spirit speaks, He will always speak in line with the truth. He will never disagree with the Bible. He will never disagree with the truth of God's Word. You understand that? And my friend, you know, I mean, you know, he loved the Lord and he was walking in the light of the truth that he had received. And so I respected that. I'm not, I'm not going to do anything that would, you know, cause him to go against his convictions, even though I had different convictions, you understand. And so uh, we have to understand it's so critical for us to receive the truth of God's Word and to walk in the light of that truth so the Holy Spirit can bear witness with our spirit concerning what God wants us to do. That's why it's so important to build God's Word into your spirit. 
so important. And the Holy Spirit, the same voice, the same sense you get when you read the Bible and God speaks to you through the Bible is the same voice that will lead you in life. Same voice. So we're talking about the inner witness. So in Romans chapter 9 and verse 1, I'm going to read a different version. You have it there. I tell the truth in Christ. This is Paul. I tell the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience. Everyone say my conscience. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. You see, when you're born again, your spirit is recreated and the life and the nature of God is in your spirit. Your conscience can become a safe guide in life. And it, be, it can become more of a safe guide as we place God's Word, build God's Word into our spirit. It becomes even more of a safe guide. That's why it's important to feed on God's Word. Now, let me say this, and this is another version of uh, another translation, the ERV translation. I like this. I am in Christ, Paul said. I'm telling you the truth. I am not lying. Now, listen. And my conscience, ruled by the Holy Spirit, agrees that what I say is now true. Notice that. My conscience, that's His Spirit. My conscience, my Spirit, ruled by the Holy Spirit. My conscience, ruled by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I like that. So here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying his spirit has a voice. It's called conscience. And the Holy Spirit leads him or directs him by bearing witness with his conscience or his spirit. That's what he's saying. And this is the primary way that God's going to lead you and guide you in life. Now, look at Romans chapter 8 again. Go back to Romans chapter 8, verse 16. For the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit, not with our mind, not with our emotions, not with our body, but with our spirit. Now, let me read some other translations. The Living Bible says, For His Holy Spirit speaks to us deep in our hearts. Deep in our hearts. The New English Bible said, The Spirit of God joins with our spirit in testifying. He joins with our spirit in testifying. In other words, your spirit's not going to testify one thing or say one thing and the Holy Spirit something else. He's going to join with your spirit in testifying, saying, yes, this is right, or no, that's not right. He's going to join with your spirit. Are you listening to me? Because many times, and this was a mistake that I made and a lot of people make, they're listening for a voice. And there is the voice of the Holy Spirit, but He speaks very seldom. Usually when you, when you have the voice of the Holy Spirit that almost sounds audible on the inside of you, it's because you're about to make a bad mistake. Or something is coming into your life and God's trying to prepare you for it. The number one way and the primary way God leads you every single day is He witnesses, the Holy Spirit witnesses with your spirit concerning every decision you make. He witnesses right there. He's right there. 
Now, another version says this, and this is the Phillips version. The Spirit Himself endorses our inward conviction. I like that. Endorses our inward conviction. So the inner witness is not a voice. It's not words. It is an inner sensation, an, an inner assurance, an inner approval or disapproval. Now, look at Acts chapter 20, verse 22. Acts 20, verse 22. Here, Paul is on his journey to Jerusalem. And uh, every city that Paul stopped in, there were disciples that met him and they tried to convince him not to go to Jerusalem. The reason for that is what Paul says here in Acts chapter 20 and verse 22. He says that now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there. Notice, bound in the Spirit, that's a poor translation. Actually, the literal version of the Bible the, uh, uses the word not bound, but compelled. Irresistibly drawn by the Spirit to go. That means I've got to go. I've got to go. I've got to go. I don't know why I have to go, but i got to go. And I don't know what's going to happen, but I have to go. I just know on the inside I have to go. Now, if you read the next verse, verse 23 except the Holy Spirit testifies. He testifies or witnesses in every city. In every city. What's that mean, in every city? Well, Paul stopped at all these cities and met disciples, his disciples. And so the Holy Spirit's living in these disciples. Isn't that right? So when Paul comes, you know, they just have this witness on the inside. Paul, I don't think you should go. Why did they say that? Because the Holy Spirit knows that chains and tribulations await him. And so these other believers have the same Holy Spirit Paul does. You have the same Holy Spirit your pastor does. You have the same Holy Spirit I have. We don't have different Holy Spirits. You have the same Holy Spirit that any great man or woman of God has. Same Holy Spirit. Same Holy Spirit. So these disciples had the same Holy Spirit, and so the Holy Spirit was witnessing. They just knew on the inside, boy, Paul, I don't know. You sure you should go? You sure you ought to go? I don't think you ought to go. As a matter of fact, if you go to the 21st chapter, we'll not turn there, Paul met certain disciples who said to him through the Spirit, don't go to Jerusalem. Now think about that. How do you say something to someone else through the Spirit? Huh? Either through tongues and interpretation of tongues or prophecy. Now listen to me. They spoke to him by the Spirit or through their Spirit that he should not go. But Paul already had direction from the Lord. He knows he has to go. He knows he has to go. So what happened? Well, these disciples loved Paul. They had the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit was witnessing to every disciple that he met, something's going to happen, Paul. And they loved Paul so much, they did not want to see Paul die or experience hardship. What happens many times is people sense what the Holy Spirit is saying and misinterpret it. They place their own interpretation on it. Are you listening? And that's exactly what they did. But Paul knew the Holy Spirit. 
He said, no, he said, don't weep and break mine heart. He said, I'm ready to die. I'm ready to die if I have to. I have to go. So the Holy Spirit is going to witness to you. He's going to witness to you. And he'll witness to us individually. And notice he'll witness collectively sometimes to a group of people. You have the same Holy Spirit. I know I have a friend uh, who lives overseas and we, not to get into a long story, but both of us, he, he said, can I just share my heart with you? I said, yes. He said, I've been sensing something and I'm not going to go into detail, but it had to do with, uh, you know, uh, this nation. And, and he's not from this nation. And he said, I, I just been sensing and I don't know what it is. And I said, let me tell you what I've sensed in my spirit. And he said, that's it exactly. Now, we have the same Holy Spirit, right? We shouldn't have. We have the same Holy Spirit. And he's witnessing. It shouldn't be opposite. Is that right? It should be the same. Amen. So the Holy Spirit witnesses to us individually concerning your life, concerning what God's will is for your life, and He witnesses also collectively. The reason He witnesses collectively is so that we pray, so that we cooperate with the Holy Spirit in how we pray to change things or to prepare us for things. Now, let's get back here to the individual side, and we're going to move quickly here because I want to spend some time praying. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Colossians chapter 3. And we shared this with you last night, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15. Paul said, let the peace of God, notice that, the peace of God. Everyone say the peace of God. So that's not human peace, human natural emotional peace. There's a difference. Let the peace of God. Now, Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, Almost the same thing when he talked about, do not, you know, in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. Do not have any anxiety or worry about anything. And then he went on to say in the following verses, he said, if we do that, he said, the peace of God will garrison or will protect our hearts and our minds. The peace of God. The peace of God is not something you can manufacture. It's spiritual. You can manufacture happiness, but you can't manufacture, do something just to create joy. It's on the inside. True joy is spiritual. It has to be released, but it's on the inside. So we're not talking about some kind of peace that you can manufacture, a natural peace. No, this is the peace of God. It passes, as Paul said, all understanding. It has nothing to do with this. So that means it has nothing to do with circumstantial evidence. See, your mind is the laboratory of your five physical senses. Everything you have in your mind, your natural brain, mind, comes through your five physical senses. That's all it knows. We call it sense knowledge. But God doesn't operate on that level. He operates with revelation knowledge. 
It doesn't come through your five physical senses. It doesn't come through the natural surroundings. It comes directly through the Holy Spirit to your spirit. Amen. So we have to understand that. So we default many times because we're raised that way. We default to the natural. We default to what we see, what we feel, what we experience. And we allow those things to control us and we make decisions based on that. Now, you understand, if, if you're walking across the street, especially in Asia where I lived, in China, and you see cars, you better stop and look. You better go by what you see. You have to be aware of the natural world around you. So we understand that. There are certain things that we have to know naturally to live in this natural world. We understand that. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about the Spirit of God leading us and guiding us. God does not use natural means or methods to communicate His spiritual truth to you. He uses the Holy Spirit. All you have to do is read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and you'll see that. He uses spiritual things to compare spiritual things. Because it's spiritual truth, it's only understood and received by your spirit doesn't make sense to your head. Have you ever, has God ever directed you to do something and your mind said, I don't know about that? Hmm? I don't know about that. Sometimes what God says defies human logic. Huh? Amen. Speaking in tongues? What? Right? I can't figure that out. I remember when I was baptized in the Holy Ghost, I went to a meeting one of those funny meetings. And the minister said, you know, just stand in a line. I'm going to come by and put my hand on it. And you're going to, you know, speak with tongues. And so I stood in the line, no instruction, no nothing. And I opened my mouth and he came by and uh, put his hand on my head. And I'm like that, like that. And he kept going on by and I just stood there with my mouth open. Nothing happened. Twice that happened to me because I thought God was going to make me speak, Right. It, and I'm trying to figure it out with my mind. Well, you can't figure it out with your mind. And the majority of things that God will do in your life, if you try to reason it out, you'll miss what the Spirit of God is saying. You'll miss what He's saying. So this inner witness is not a voice, not words. It is a witness or a testimony of the Spirit. Now notice, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. That word rule means umpire or arbitrate. Weymouth's version says, let it decide, the peace of God decide all doubts within your heart. Settle all questionings in your heart. The peace of God. Well, the opposite of that would be a loss of peace, right? A loss of peace. This is the number one way that God uses to guide us and lead us in life. When we're considering a major decision, we're, we're considering making decisions. Usually, immediately, we have an emotional response or a natural mental response. May be right, may not be right, this mental response. That's why it's important for us to listen to the Spirit of God on the inside. Emotion will, if it's emotion... After a few days, it will subside or change. But it's from the Spirit of God, it will stay the same. It won't change. I remember uh, when my wife, every time we made a major change to 
move uh, around the world or move to another country, I would usually pray at least a year, sometimes two years. Not every day, but I would say at least two or three days a week, maybe four days a week. I'd spend a little time in praying, and I'd just check what's on the inside. And after about a year or two of doing that, then I became convinced this is what God is saying. It's not emotion. It's not human reasoning. But it is the Spirit of God. Now, most of the time, about 99% of the time, we don't have to make an emergency decision. Right? The majority of the time, we have time to wait on God and to pray and to wait on God and to check and see what's on the inside. And if it is the Spirit of God, it'll remain. It'll be there consistently. There was a man by the name of George Muller, and he was just a simple carpenter, had no education, and he just sensed in his heart that God wanted him to build an orphanage. He knew nothing about running an orphanage. He was in England. And so what he did is he prayed every day for 30 days. Now, this is what he did. I'm not saying you do that. Every day, twice a day, and he would write on the calendar how, what impression he had, favorable or unfavorable. Twice a day for 30 days. At the end of the 30 days, he counted up, you know, the favorable impressions as opposed to the unfavorable ones, and he determined it was the will of God for him to start. That's how he learned how to be led by the Spirit. Now, he didn't stay in that area, you understand. So he started with one building and, and I think two children. And after 50 years, he had multiple buildings and 2,500 children. And he said this, after 50 years of feeding, now listen, my faith daily on the Word of God, 50 years of feeding my faith daily on the Word of God, I could believe God, this was back many, many years ago, I could believe God for $1 million U.S. dollars just as easily as I could for $1 50 years earlier. Now, everyone wants to start at the million-dollar mark, but you're not going to start there. You're going to start down here. And you're going to exercise your faith and feed your faith every day. And that's true not just for that area. It's true for healing. It's true for everything. For everything. Amen. So he developed his spirit to listen to the Holy Spirit by feeding his spirit daily on God's Word and then acting on that witness or that impression of the Spirit so that you can know even in the minor details of life what the Holy Spirit is saying. Amen. In the minor details of life. Hallelujah. I know, uh, and I have several experiences that I could share with you, but I know in, in just in, and I want to take some time here to pray for a few minutes. I know in, uh, you know, when I was uh, praying about a wife, and, uh, uh, you know, I, there were two young ladies that I dated, and the first time I dated them, the first date I had. I knew on the inside. I shouldn't continue. But you know, you're natural and you want fellowship and you're looking for a wife. So I continued dating them. 
and I got in trouble because they got emotionally attached to me. And then I, you know, eventually had to say, you know, we have to terminate this relationship. And so then they got angry at me, and they should have. They should have. It was my fault. Every single time. And I remember, uh, you know, my, uh, my wife, Connie, she was, uh, I was invited to go to a wedding. She was in the wedding. She was the uh, maid of honor, and I was one of the groomsmen. And, uh, and so I was praying, and my, you know, and I got to the point where I thought, well, you know, Jesus is going to come back, and I'm not going to be married. This was 19, uh, 1980, and I thought, you know, well, that's it. I guess, you know, I'm just going to be a celibate for Christ the rest of my life. You know, I left, you know, the Bible school, and I, and I you know, I, I felt like I went to the land of the Philistines, and there wasn't anything. That's what I felt like. And so uh, uh, I, I finally cast the care of that over on the Lord, and I said, okay, Lord, that's okay. If I don't get married, you know, and the rapture comes, that's okay. And so after I cast the care of that over on the Lord, it was within one month, within nine months, I met my future wife. And when I saw her for the first time, it wasn't like, you know, that carpenter song, you know, stars fell from the sky, all the birds sang, all the clouds, you know, floated by. But there was something in here, just something, not a, not a voice, no words, just something said, just I sensed, pursue her. Don't let this just go by. And of course, you know, when you have a witness, you're going to have to do something, right? If you don't do anything, nothing's going to happen. The moment you have a witness, if God gives you a witness, you have to act on that witness. The longer sometimes we let things go, spiritual things will become indistinct. Indistinct. And then we'll begin to question, well, I wonder if that was God or not. We'll get back in the natural and start reasoning. And so I just kept that, kept that, you know, fresh, tender on the inside of me. And so then, you know, one thing led to the next and we, and uh, after uh, the wedding, you know, we sat down and we were at the same table. And so we began to talk and then I found out she was going to go to uh, London, not London, to... Uh, England to student teach her senior year in college. So I got her address. And so we began to write. This is back before email and all that. You know, we wrote actual letters. You have to explain that to young people, that there's a piece of paper and that there's a long thing and it has ink or it has lead in it. You can actually make words with it and write on that white piece of flat piece of paper and then you can mail it in the post office. And so we did that for three months. We wrote letters to each other and fell in love through the letters we wrote. And then when she came back, we began to date. And, and of course, that's the rest of the story. But I followed the witness on the inside. And I could tell you story after story. I have just following the witness or not following the witness. Last night, I talked about not following the witness and what that will do to you. But God will bless you many times. We make mistakes. He'll help you. You throw yourself over on the mercy of God, and I have. Thank God for His mercy. It's new every morning. His goodness and mercy follows me. They fo I don't know about you, but they follow me. And I use His mercy a lot because I'm not perfect. So let's do this.
because I just really feel in my heart we need to spend at least five or ten minutes here. Can we do that? So you can stand or you can remain seated or you can kneel. But let's just do this. Let's just spend some time here listening to the Spirit of God. Let's just unclutter our minds. Hallelujah. And let's tune in to our spirit because that's where the Holy Spirit lives. And if you have been praying about something and have not received direction, I believe the Lord will give you direction. Right here on the inside, you'll have a peace, a peace that passes all understanding if it is the will of God or the opposite of that. No, I just, that's not the right thing to do. Just there's something here. It's just not the right thing to do. I believe the Lord will speak to you. And with others, I believe the Lord will reveal to you what He's been trying to say to you. Amen. You know, it's like a radio sometimes. We used to have those old AM radios driving up and down the gravel roads. You know, where I lived up and down the hills. You get at the top of the hill, you get a signal. At the bottom of the hill, it just goes static. Right? And you're just trying to tune that thing in and then you get a word word or two, and then all of a sudden it's clear. Sometimes we may be on AM and he's on FM. 